I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, Ragers. Madigan here. Before we start the episode, I want to give a big trigger warning. This episode is dedicated solely to the events surrounding the Kavanaugh hearing. This was an emotional episode for Keegan and I. We had to take breaks, we had to let ourselves cry, and we want you to be able to do the same. If you feel that this episode will be too triggering or overwhelming for you, feel free to skip it. We will be back with our regular mini-episode next week. Ray John. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And as you can see from the title of this episode, this is a mini episode. We're going to try and keep it mini. We're going to try to keep this shit mini. We've got some great stuff to talk about. If this is a not-so-mini episode, I'm fine with it. But typically, the mini episodes for us are more of a what's-in-the-news segment, things that are happening uh, today. We also like to share certain listener stories and things like that. So if this is your first time uh, experiencing a mini episode, welcome. Welcome, and also know that this will not be a typical standard mini episode. We did this once before um, when we talked about gun violence, where Mm -hmm. we kind of zeroed in on the issue and discussed um, things about it because it was something that was really weighing on our hearts. And we're kind of doing the same thing today, talking about issues involving the Kavanaugh hearing and checking in with each other and you guys about how everyone is doing because I know it's been a rather traumatic week. Yes. For everyone. I know it has been for me. My God. Yeah. I mean, just since the it it has been difficult for like the last couple of weeks, but since hearing Christine Blasey Ford's testimony and then the response to that, and then also um, Brett Kavanaugh's testimony and the response to well, that. Well, and, and also, we're going to get into it, obviously, but just the, the frustrations with this whole FBI investigation, too, that's going on is frustrating to me. Right. So, yeah. So let's kind of start at the beginning and, and work our we? way through. Did you should see we? that I have a whole timeline with dates and everything Ooh. written out? Should we start with July 6th? What's, I was starting with the hearing. So what's going oh, on? Oh, man, I'm before that. Just can I catch, catch yeah, go, people go up real quick? Ahead, okay. July 6th. Christine Blasey, is it, I've been saying Blasey, is it Blasey? I think it's Blasey, but I mean, I've heard it said both ways. Christine Blasey Ford reaches out to her Congresswoman Anna Eshoo regarding her concerns about Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court. July 9th, my birthday, Trump announces Kavanaugh as his pick to replace Justice Anthony Kennedy. On July 30th, Ford sends Senator Dianne Feinstein a letter detailing her assault. September 16th, the Washington Post makes Ford's accusation public. And the 17th, Kavanaugh issues a statement saying that he has never done anything like the accuser describes to her or anyone. 
And then on the 23rd of September, a second woman, Deborah Ramirez, details new allegations of sexual misconduct in The New Yorker, which she says took place while they were students at Yale. Kavanaugh uh, apparently had waved his penis at her at a dorm party. And again, Kavanaugh completely denies. Before that, on September 19th, Ford's lawyer states that Ford has agreed to testify before the state judiciary committee, which we all know has happened. Um, Before that... On the 26th of September, Kavanaugh releases his 1982 calendars as a way to dispute Ford's timeline. So fucking stupid. Right? It's so dumb. It's so fucking stupid. And it's things that can be manipulated. It's things... It just... To me, it doesn't seem like evidence in any way, shape, or form. It shouldn't be evidence regardless of that. It... it, We'll get into this a little bit later, but it also doesn't discredit her testimony. So it doesn't even make sense to present it as evidence. You think that a sexual... You think that he's going to document a sexual assault on a calendar? I mean, wouldn't you? Like, like Wednesday the 1st, rape Christine. No one's (laughs) writing that shit in their fucking calendar. But is he trying to say, like, I wasn't at this party or I wasn't... Like, is that what he's trying to prove? He is, but his calendars didn't even prove that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, continuing... Um, attorney Michael Avenatti releases sworn declaration from client Julie Swetnick, who says Kavanaugh targeted girls for sexual assault, saying that he would spike drinks and was present during her gang rape at a party. She also said that they would line up outside of rooms of many of the parties waiting for their turn with the girls in the room. Kavanaugh denies. Spoiler alert, this woman also kind of goes back a little bit on her testimony, um, more so changing her wording of things and people are kind of latching onto that and seeing like this can't be true because she's changed the way that she's described the events they weren't in a line they were more huddled by the door no i didn't see him actually put drugs in the drink but he was hanging out by the punch bowl and then handed out a bunch of red solo cups to a bunch of girls things that in our minds especially as women you know two plus two equals four you know was what i mean he in the room when you were gang raped then the rest of that shit doesn't matter it does not matter none of the rest of that but matters. but people are holding on to those inconsistencies as they are with christine blessy ford's testimony about how she can't answer certain things and things like and that. guys sorry i think maybe we'll we'll try and put something at the beginning of this if we have time trigger but warning? also a fucking trigger warning through this entire yeah. episode yeah we'll try and insert something if we can um if we weren't able to, I'm so sorry, but from here on out, please know that yeah. we are going to be talking about sexual assault. Yes. So that was the 26th, and on the 27th was the Ford and Kavanaugh um, hearing before the state judiciary committee. And I know that that's kind of where your uh, notes start. So where where do you want to take us from there? Okay. So um, on the 27th, that was, that was the date of the judiciary hearing. So... Christine Blasey Ford, she really didn't want to do this. No. As any of us know who have been sexually assaulted, um, it's not fun to have to relive your trauma. Right. Well, and this is also on such a national scale and is being recorded and watched everywhere. It's not like a local trial. This is everybody is seeing and scrutinizing every word you say, and you know that before you're going Right. And this is also something that has really affected her life. She's had to deal with it in her marriage. She's had to deal Uh with it in therapy. Um, In her job, too, right? Didn't she have to, like, quit her job or take time off or something? I feel like I heard that somewhere. That I don't know. But, so... It's something that is obviously traumatizing for her. And so to have to come forward now and deal with this in this way would be extremely difficult. She also has a fear of flying. Yeah. Um, So part of... But they, like, scrutinized her, like, well, then how did you get here? And she's like, well, I felt it was important for me to be here. No, she drove. That's what took so long. Oh, I thought she She, flew. She drove here. That's also what took so long. She drove all the way... Or not here. She drove all the way to the hearing... Um, which shows her commitment yeah. as well to, to get there. Um, she requested that Brett Kavanaugh go first, that he testify first. They told her no, that she would testify first, and then um, Brett Ka- Kavanaugh would testify second. The Republican members of the Senate Judiciary hearing um, wouldn't ask their own questions. Yeah. I think they understood the optics of what that would look like. I think yeah. they realized that when Anita Hill had to do it, it didn't look good mm-hmm. to have a bunch of old white men basically berating a woman about her sexual assault mm-hmm. um, uh, recollections. So for optics' sake, they did something which is extremely unusual and strange. And um, that is they 
committee chairman Chuck Grassley announced on Tuesday that he had hired a female prosecutor named Rachel Mitchell um, from Arizona to ask. Yeah, well, Diane Feinstein did some questions too. Right. right? I mean, they all asked some of the questions, but they could also concede their time to this female prosecutor who I think works with special victims in um, Arizona. Because it makes makes them look more sensitive to the cause. Right. Which they are not at all. Like, if you spent any time watching that. But again, the optics of it makes it seem like They realized it would look really bad if they were grilling a woman about something really traumatic in her past. Yeah. So they hired this woman to do that. And it was... Very strange, yeah. Uh, to say the least, it was super uncomfortable. This whole thing for me was very, very, very hard to watch. I kind of had to go in and out of watching it. I mean, to be honest, full disclosure, I've watched uh, clips. I did not watch anything that day because I knew how hard it would be. I feel like it's important for me to know what happened, and I've done a lot of reading of it, and I've watched clips, and I understand what happened. Could not just sit and watch it that day. Yeah, I, I definitely went in and out of, of watching it because I felt like I needed to watch it. But I also felt like, I mean, you it's very clear that you're watching a woman very calmly and articulately. So smart. My She's gosh. incredibly She's smart. like, I am a psychologist. I'm going to give you all of the medical definitions and terms. And it's like, because she was like, I'm not going to give you guys a reason to berate me for the words that I use. So I'm right. like, I mean, in at, the hippocampus point, of yes. this. It's like, she's speaking so scientifically. smart. Yeah. yeah, she speaks scientifically. At one point, they ask her how she knew. I think it was maybe Feinstein. I don't remember who asked mm. how she knew that it was Brett Kavanaugh, how, how yep. she could remember that. And she said, well, I remember it the same way that I, I remember that I'm speaking to you right now because that's the way the memory works. And then yeah. she went into the brain functions exactly. of the way that memory works. And you can't fight with somebody who is giving you facts when it comes to that. Right. She spoke- it's what she said about her memories or whether she couldn't recall certain things things that people berate. And I have to say, it is very hard for me to remember specific details, especially about... I remember, obviously, things that are traumatic to me, but remembering specific details is sometimes very hard. Right. She's you don't want to remember that. She very clearly remembered her trauma. She yes. did not remember details like, how did you get to the party? Yeah, we were like, time oh, I would there. remember walking three blocks, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I've I don't know, think you would. There's a lot of things that have happened to me in my life where if you were to ask me to go back to some random day and have me recall everything that I did, that even even a week ago, I'd be like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're talking about 36 years ago. Yeah. Longer than I've been alive. Yeah. You're talking about a memory from that long ago. Yeah. You remember trauma. Yeah. And sometimes trauma can black out other things in your memory. Well, and that's the thing. If you're talking about psychology, there, I fully believe in repressed memory. Oh. And I believe that there are things that your brain does to protect you. Yes, From yes. those things that are Sorry. harmful. I guess I should clarify. When I say that you remember trauma, what I mean is, in this case, yeah. she obviously very clearly remembers the trauma that happened to her. And right. sometimes what well, happens with that... and I think a that, lot of people can remember that something happened, just not the details well, of it. Well, and sometimes... She remembers a lot of the details. Yeah. And sometimes what happens there, what I'm saying is, sometimes what happens there is you can remember the details of your trauma, but because of that trauma, you may not remember the other smaller details of your yes. day. Because, because that's the biggest that thing that happens. over the rest everything. Of it. it blacks out everything else. Yeah. And I do also believe that sometimes people don't remember their trauma. Yeah. Like, they don't remember it because your brain tries to protect you from that. And that's another reason why people don't speak up because they feel that they know that it happened or that there was something that they, if they can't pinpoint it, then why would they say anything? Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, I wish I could forget my trauma. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I understand that. I understand why, why you would want to forget it and, yeah. you know, I, why your brain would do that to you. Exactly. So after she spoke, you know, Republicans were freaking out. People on the right were freaking out because it was very clear that she was a incredibly um, eloquent, yeah. articulate, good witness. Fox News even said the Republicans are in trouble. Yeah. Fox News said that. Yeah. And, you know, Chuck Grassley, that's his name, right? Yeah, Chuck oh, Grassley was like, he said something really gross. It was so gross. He was like... She's a very attractive witness. <gasps> yeah, and, but it, it, the way he said it wasn't like attractive, like like a good Not witness. The right it was like she was. Yeah, and then he said something like pleasing. I was like, oh, yeah. God. 
stop using this language. But anyway, she obviously, you know, kept it together. I think we can all, anyone who has... The thing that stood out to me the most about her testimony that made me want to cry was her talking about remembering Brett Kavanaugh and Mike Judge laughing Mm -hmm. together at at her expense and her Mm. being scared and she couldn't get out from underneath him and they were laughing. They were having a good time. And that's what she said. They were having a good time. And how much this was obviously affecting her Mm -hmm. and you know the the post that we made on our instagram of her saying like i don't want to be here and it's not my job to decide what happens here but i need to tell you what i know and like you guys need to make a decision based on that yeah and then there was another time during her testimony where she said that she really weighed whether or not to come forward because she understood that there was a possibility that she could come forward and her life could get turned upside down and that it would all be for naught anyway yeah because he could be confirmed and that's a very very real possibility that we're sitting in right now so she is a hero of ours and um can i take a beat yeah yeah okay you good yeah i'm good okay um I mean, I think it's important to just say, like, I know that this is hard. It's a really hard subject, and I don't want to beat anyone over the head with, like, how bad it is. Yeah. It's just one of those things where on Thursday and Friday, on Friday in particular, after the testimony went through and we were sitting and waiting to see if he was going to be confirmed, it was the lowest I think I have felt about politics since the election, since yeah. right after the election. It yeah. was it was that bad. A feeling of such a lack of power and such a yes. lack of Helplessness. voice and feeling yeah. just completely silenced. Yeah, yeah. It's complete helplessness and it's feeling like knowing that they don't care about you. Because it was very clear. And don't clear. believe you. It was very, well, but to me, it was very clear after Christine Blasey Ford's testimony that... She wasn't unbelievable. They believed her. They just didn't care. There's a lot of people out there that don't believe her, but I think the people who are in that room or who really paid attention to what happened believe her. Of the people who don't believe her, like the people who are on our page berating us and things like that, I think that those are people who aren't paying attention. Yeah. I think if we asked half those people if they watched the entire thing, I think they would probably say no. Yeah. I think that the people in that room do believe her. I think that they just, one, don't care. Yeah. And then I think that, two, they don't think that whatever did happen to her was bad enough was bad enough to quote unquote ruin a person's life because that's what they think is happening to Brett Kavanaugh they think that she's ruining his life I don't get it you know and what I mean like, it's clearly this woman's life has been ruined I mean something that happened 36 years ago it blows my mind that people have such a lack of disrespect and empathy for another person where one person's life could be more valuable than somebody else's life. Right. I mean, and I know career is not ruining somebody's life. Right. It's a, first of all, that's something that needs to be kept in mind. This is not a trial. So oh. as much as you want to say innocent until proven guilty, it's not this a is trial. a job interview. Yeah. That's what this is. Yes. First of all. And she is saying that this man should not be in charge of, of making thing. crucial judgments exactly. for the rest of the country. That is all that this is. Right. This man's life, he's not going to jail. His life is, would not be ruined. This man would be prevented from making some really horrible right. decisions right. for our country. And it's his entitlement that is has gotten him so angry. And he has made a damn fool of himself. He has. But here's here's the other thing, okay, before we you know move on, um, as far as people people not believing her. There's a significant number, I can't remember the percentage right now, I think it's something like 52% of Republicans have said that even if it is true, they would want to confirm him anyway. Yeah. So even if they knew, uh, even I feel like if it's there like was people, proof, But people need it to be in order to carry out their ideals and their narratives. Right. No, they don't care. I, yeah. I watched and that's the thing, is like, it's not about not believing her. It's not, it, it's... They could believe there could be, you know, undeniable proof that he did more than she's even saying. There could be undeniable proof that he went out and raped a bunch of people. And 
this giant percentage of the right would still want to confirm him. I watched because they want to be right. Well, and and because having someone with his views on the Supreme Court fits what they need to happen. Yeah. And I watched an interview with a supporter who said that he was like, even if it turns out that he did do that, I would still want him on the Supreme Court because if this is our chance to overturn. There are overt- people that would he argue said, this is that our chance to overturn or abortion, and that's all I yeah. care about. That's all I care about. I yeah. don't care. And there are people who will, you know, say, oh, we need to separate their personal lives from their work lives and things like that. But, no, but in no, this day and age, that can't happen. And no one would say that about this this particular thing because this is a judge. Yeah. Your job is to sit in judgment of other people, yeah, right? that's true. So... All of those things are taken into account in hearings yeah. like this. This has never happened to my knowledge before, where we have just completely discounted and just pushed through anyway, which should concern you. Yeah. If it doesn't, because he's not the only judge out there. So yeah. you should be asking yourselves, why are the Republicans going through all this for this, for particular, this particular guy? Judge? Because you, it would be a lot less hassle to drop him and pick someone else. Yeah. But they're rushing him through. Yeah. And why? And that should that should worry you. I mean, because I if we're going to talk a little bit about that, Republicans refused to even hold a hearing for Merrick Garland because he was nominated 237 days before the election. And now they're rushing to confirm a nominee 50 days before an election who's accused of sexual assault. He's lied under oath and turned over 4% of records and was nominated by a president under investigation. And they're pushing this guy yeah. through. Whenever they denied Merrick Garland because he was less than a year before Obama was leaving office. Nope. That's insane. Yeah. And I think that that's something that... Our whole political atmosphere right now is completely insane. It's insane. I don't understand it. It's insane. Okay. So moving on, um, after Christine Blasey Ford testified, now it's Brett Kavanaugh's turn and, oh boy, if you have not seen his testimony, it is bonkers. Yeah. It is the most insane thing I have ever seen. He yeah. came out fucking like guns a blazing, yelling, yeah, twitching, yeah. It was the weirdest performance I think scary. I've ever seen. Fucking scary. It was like he came out. He was saying it was a conspiracy from the left, from the Clintons, which, by the way, you don't want in a bipartisan judge. Like, a yeah. judge that's supposed to be bipartisan, he was very clearly, like, anti-left, yeah. anti-Democrat, anti-Clintons. It was very strange. Um, Have you seen the, the video, though, of, like, Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, it's hilarious. I had, like, ten people send that Look to Look at me. the big brain on bread. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you seen the SNL? No, oh, I haven't yet. Watch the SNL cold open with Matt Damon, who plays uh, Brett Kavanaugh, because... It is so spot on. Like, that's pretty much it. He just came out. He was fucking yelling. Yeah. Anyway, so he perjured himself. A judge. You should fucking know the rules. Yeah. He perjured himself by saying that witnesses said that it never happened. He would not answer questions. So they would ask him direct questions and he would say things like, uh, the witnesses that were there that night said it didn't happen. They said it didn't happen, which is also not true. Yeah. No one said it didn't happen. They said they recalled it differently or they recalled the night differently. Yeah. And he specifically called out one of Christine Blasey Ford's, like, best friends and said yeah. that even her best friend said it didn't happen. And actually, her best friend said, I don't remember that happening, but I believe Christine Blasey Ford. Yes. So he Because, sorry, lied. the knowledge people were in the room and knowing exactly what happened. Right. He lied under oath. He yeah. lied under oath. And then he did this weird fucking thing. So most of the time he was, like, yelling and snarling. Yeah. And we've we've all seen the pictures. It's horrifying. But then every now and again he would start crying out of no... Talking about the weirdest shit. Like, he would cry over these calendars that he pulled out. Yeah. He'd cry over the calendars and he'd be like, On this day, we were lifting weights at Tobin's house. <laughs> because Tobin's dad was a physical and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like, it was so strange. And so he was using this calendar as like a, see, no rape on this calendar, so I must not have done it. But there is one day. So Christine Blasey Ford, you know, said there was a party and named these people who were there, including Mike Judge, who we talked about last week. Yeah. And he has a day in his calendar that has... A couple of the people Christine Blasey Ford mentioned being yeah. at this party. Yeah. 
with him, like a party with Judge and PJ, like people yeah. that she mentioned were there. Yeah. So I'm like, you're kind of fucking yourself over because yeah. that kind of reinforces. You're, you're pushing that evidence right. forward. And then there were other things in his calendar. 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 There were other <laughs> things in his calendar that were like, um, oh no, this wasn't in his calendar. There were things in his yearbook. Oh. Right? Oh, yeah, like things that stay at Yale or whatever. There, Well, no, that was, um, yeah, things that stay at whatever, the school he went yeah. to. But no, they so Oh, they Georgetown. Out, uh, yeah, Georgetown Preparatory or whatever. Yeah. They pulled out his yearbook, and one of the things was a group of pictures of guys, and underneath, because it was an all-boys school, yeah. and underneath it, it said Renata alumni. Now, there was a girl named Renata who was one of, like, the 65 people who, when these allegations first came out, actually signed a thing that said, like, I knew Brett Kavanaugh in high school, and he was a good guy. And when she found out what that was, because what it was was, or what it indicated was, these were a group of guys who had slept with her. Exactly. And they put it in their yearbook. Yeah. And when she found out about it, she took her name off of that list. Yeah. As did a bunch of people who had put their names on that list originally have removed themselves now that's so fucked up it's so fucking gross and then other things that were in that yearbook that they asked him about they asked him about um like devil's triangle and he'd be like that's a drinking game and it's not a drinking game it's what is devil's triangle it's two guys oh yeah and a girl yeah 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 and that is exactly what christine blasey ford said she thought was going to happen to her. Yeah. So he tried to say that, that was a drinking game. He yeah. basically just lied outright. This whole thing about, like, I like beer. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, it, this is the most bizarre. It's the most yeah. bizarre thing. He it, looks like a child. Like, the whole time I was like, you look like a child. It is scary because what you're looking at is a man who has been entitled to get everything in his entire and life. And can't believe that he's maybe not getting exactly what he thought that he deserves. Yes. Yeah. It, he feels entitled to be on the Supreme Court. It's a job interview, dude. Yeah. You're not on trial here. Yeah. And they remind him of that. You are not on trial. Right. And it was so strange. Like, at one point... um, I think, how do you say her name? Amy uh, Klobuchar? I think that's her yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at one point, she asks him about getting blackout drunk. This part, if you do nothing else, listen to this part, because it will tell you everything you need to know about Brett Kavanaugh. So, already she says that her father was an alcoholic. You know, she's very clear about that, about her drinking habits. She asks him if he has ever gotten blackout drunk, and his response was, I don't know of you. And she's like, uh, could you answer the question, please? Yeah, it's not about me, dude. Have, have you ever gotten blackout drunk? I'm curious if you have. It is so strange. It's like, can you, like, sorry, this isn't about me. It's, it's about you. It's a judiciary hearing, you fucking psycho. What are you doing? Fuck him. Um, so, let me see. Okay, so that whole weird thing goes down. It's so fucking clear that Brett Kavanaugh is lying. Yeah. The next day is supposed to be the confirmation hearing, yes. right? It's supposed to be the vote. I'm on pins and needles. Yep. I'm scared. And I'm, I'm kind of watching it. It's, it's a, it was a weird thing to watch on CNN because they wouldn't move the camera to whoever was talking. So you're kind yeah. of like looking at like one point where, you know, nothing yeah. is happening. But Jeff Flake, who yep. is a senator from he, Arizona. He was the one who was confronted in the elevator, right? Correct. Yeah, that video is amazing. So there's a video uh, that Madigan's talking about where Jeff Flake is confronted by protesters in the elevator. And this one woman is saying, look at me. Like, look yeah. at me. You're denying my, my, you're saying my sexual assault doesn't matter. Exactly. And, like, it didn't happen. You can see how it like, affected him as she was speaking. Right. It was kind of a cool video to see. So he had, hours before, he had said, I am going to confirm Kavanaugh. Yeah. He had said, I will vote yes. And between that and then also talking to Senator Chris Coons, who's a Democratic senator, Mm -hmm. he kind of talked Jeff uh, Flake into... Giving a one-week. Giving a one-week investigation. So he was really kind of the swing vote here. Uh And he said... I will not vote yes if you force me to vote today. Yeah. I need a one-week invest. Give me a one-week investigation. Yeah. Well, and, if- and the investigation has been kind of fucky because, like, on September 30th, so the 28th was when Flake had said that he needed a one-week FBI investigation. And by the 30th, Ford's legal team has said that they have yet to hear from the FBI. Right. They have not been contacted. Um, Ramirez did speak with investigators, the one who um, was saying that he had... 
that she had seen him spike drinks and things like that. But they, but I believe even to this day, because on October 2nd, yesterday, Ford's legal team sends a letter to the FBI director, Chris Rye, or Ray, and um, Attorney General Rod Reinstein explaining that they learned through the media reports that FBI does not intend to interview Ford uh, or Kavanaugh and reiterates Ford's willingness to cooperate with the investigation. Right. I mean, this... This investigation is so limited in time and scope. I mean, one week, even if you had gotten to work right away, is, yeah, is a very small amount of time. An incredibly short amount of time. And then also, they had said from the beginning that the scope of the investigation would be limited. Mm-hmm. So, who fucking knows? I, yeah. I have a real strong inclination that he's going to be confirmed anyway. I believe so, too. Um, and... It, because now what we there's no hope left in that kind of stuff after Donald Trump was elected. I it, feel it, like that's yeah. been taken from us. I, I, it, it's but it's bananas because it's just like why? Yeah. Why? Like why this guy? It just it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Why is he so important? So speaking of um since then let's kind of talk about a little bit of the fallout in the week since this has happened, mm-hmm. and one of those things is the right clinging to this idea that boys and men are under attack, yeah, and that they should be afraid to ever go out with a woman or touch a woman because any woman could ruin your life by no. by you know. Which- and and to that, all I have to say is that having an uncomfortable conversation about your boundaries or asking if something is okay, whether or not you think it's getting out of the mood or whatever is always a good idea. If you feel like you are afraid in any sort of way, that's no girl is ever going to be like, oh, what the fuck? Why are you being so courteous to me well, about asking and, about my consent? And also, I think it's an important conversation to have that are there accusations of sexual assault that are not true? Yes. It is a very small It amount. is so... So tiny. Yeah. It is like 2%. Yeah. And and the number of women who are sexually assaulted is astronomical. Yeah. And if this has taught us nothing else, it should be that most women don't want to come forward about a sexual yeah. assault because look at what happens if you do. Yeah. It's this has been this has been another story that people are going to see and they're going to be like, why would I come forward if I'm going to be treated like and this? And also, can we just fucking address the fact that like, yeah, it's fucked up and shitty, but this was expected at almost at parties. Yeah, like this. No girl that I know who has been sexually assaulted at a house party ever went to the cops about it. Yeah. So Donald Trump saying that like. Well, she should have gone to the cops right away. I'm sure she did. Why wouldn't she have? And it's like, um, I'm sorry. When I was 16, a guy in his 20s took me into a room at a house party and turned off the lights and shut the door and tried to push me onto a bed. And I, of course, it didn't even cross my mind to go and tell anybody about that. Because to me, the way that we've been conditioned in our society, and this is fucking sad and shitty and needs to change, was just like... This is what happens. This is what happens. Yeah. And I'm sure in 1982 that that's what she thought, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's the saddest thing in the world, but it's just like... And you don't, you don't see it as being a big deal until you see them possibly having some extreme power. Of course. And then you're like, wait, wait, wait. No, no, of no. Of course. Of yeah, course. I, I completely understand where she's coming yeah, from. Yeah, I do, too. And Because I've been there. I, this, I mean, a similar thing happened to me, of course. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, so... Trump then mocked on Tuesday night mm-hmm. Christine Blasey Ford at one of his stupid fucking cult rallies, um, which I just think is deplorable and beyond disgusting. Yeah. And because of that, three Republican senators who will be crucial to deciding whether Brett Kavanaugh reaches the Supreme Court hit out at, pre- at President Trump on Wednesday after he unleashed an attack on Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, so Jeff Flake from Arizona... Lisa Murkowski from Alaska and Susan Collins of Maine have all kind of come out and said that they thought that that behavior was unacceptable. Yeah. Collins said that it was just plain wrong. 
uh, but she would not say if it would affect her vote. Murkowski said that Trump's remarks were wholly inappropriate and, in my view, unacceptable. And if asked whether the president's attacks would sway her vote, she answered, I'm taking everything into account. Yeah. Flake, whose reservations about Kavanaugh led to Trump requesting a supplemental background check on his nominee last week, also condemned the president's comments. He said, I thought it was obviously insensitive and appalling, frankly. There's no time or place, but particularly to discuss something so sensitive at a political rally was just wrong. Yeah. But Flake also said that the president's attack would not influence his vote. Ugh. So speaking at his campaign rally, which, what the fuck? I don't get why he's How still doing campaign, campaign rally. rally. On, I don't understand On it. Tuesday night, Trump cast doubt on Ford's testimony, and it was kind of backed up by Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Kellyanne Conway, yeah. who both, you know, stood by Who are Trump, both awful. Who have no soul. Yeah. And both of them, both of them look tired. I think that yeah. that's what happens when you just lie constantly. Yeah. The um, aging process speeds up. Yeah. So, anyway, there's more about this, of course. it's it, There's information coming out yeah. all the time. I have more that I could talk about, but that's kind of... We're up to date. Yeah. I think that it is time to read a beautiful, beautiful email that we got this morning. Do you want to go, uh, because it is a longer email, do you want to read a paragraph? I'll read a paragraph and go back and forth. Sure. Hello, ladies. I found your podcast about two months ago when I started looking for podcasts to fill my commute to my new job. When I found yours, I was so excited and had to force myself to not listen to it while I'm at home <laughs> to save it for my commute so I'm not caught up yet but wanted to email you. I'm not sure why I feel the need to share this with you, but I think we can all agree that the last two weeks have been, to put it honestly, traumatizing. I have been so angry and so hurt, and I can feel it in my work, in my relationships, even in my own inner dialogue to myself. I'm not being kind to myself, and I'm not taking care of myself yet, and I'm so angry. I've shared my anger and my outrage on both Facebook and Twitter, and I can feel people getting tired of me, getting mm -hmm. bored of my endless ranting, mm -hmm. and distancing themselves from my experiences, and that sucks. I'm told that I shouldn't be angry, and that I should just get over it and move on, that I need to forgive and find peace or I'll never live a full life and never be truly happy. I don't understand why I can't be angry. I don't understand why I have to forgive my perpetrator. I was assaulted in college, and it wrecked me. I barely survived. I was suicidal, depressed, anxious, failing classes, and worst of all, being hunted down and threatened with notification to my parents from my Title IX office if I didn't cooperate with their investigation. I remember sitting in the office, victim advocate, as she berated me that I had to report it or it would be my fault if it happened again. I remember the Title IX woman's checklist and telling her what I could remember— I don't remember a lot of that stuff anymore. I don't remember every detail of my assault. I remember I was drunk. I put my trust in the wrong person. He offered his couch so that I didn't have to walk home, and he knew I didn't have any money for a taxi. I remember walking down the stairs of his loft past his friend who was sleeping right on the couch. I remember turning on Nord Avenue toward my apartment at 2 in the morning, and I remember people asking me why I did that, why I put myself in danger. The honest answer was that anything that would have happened to me on that walk wouldn't have been worse than what had just been done to me. My dignity, my autonomy, my choice were stripped away from me, ripped away from my soul. I spent the next five years getting the therapy I needed, confiding in my family and friends, sharing my story, going to take back the night marches, and wondering if I would ever be okay again. I put on a brave face. Many of the people I confided in or shared with in college said things along the lines of, I had no idea, or you seem so happy, though. But you're always making jokes and laughing with people. I think we as society have this idea of what a victim is supposed to be, and it's just not true. No survivor is the same. I hid my pain for a long time, and I still hide it on occasion. But now I hide it because I can't deal with it. I found as I shared my story, there were some people who couldn't deal with the reality of what I was telling them and started distancing themselves. I spent the rest of my college years reclaiming my sexuality, and I think that confused people too. I would imagine their inner dialogue went something like, well, if she was assaulted, why is she sleeping with all these men? And I could feel how it cast out on my story. I reclaimed my sexuality because it was taken from me. If your laptop was stolen, wouldn't you want it back? So, why was my body any different? The difference is, I was choosing to engage in these sexual relationships, and it helped me heal. 
I ended up meeting an amazing man my senior year, and he was my biggest support and helped me regain trust and love in my life. But the one thing that night gave me is anger. Anger that someone thought they had a right to my body. Anger that I was forced to endure re-traumatizing interviews by people who didn't actually care about me. Just numbers and checklists to make sure their asses were covered should a Title IX investigation ever come their way. I'm so angry at the world. I'm angry that women are not believed. I'm angry this is still happening every 98 seconds. I'm angry that only 37% of white men believe Dr. Ford. Most of all, I'm tired of being told not to be angry. Your podcast has taught me I can be angry. I can scream and yell and be angry, but I have to turn that anger into action. I now work at a coalition to end sexual and domestic violence. I volunteer for Crisis Text Line, and I spend time looking through Facebook for friends and acquaintances I know are survivors and making sure I'm reaching out because I know how it feels to feel alone, even when you're surrounded with people. The other thing that I've been given is true faith in my fellow sisters. Victoria, who helped me when I had a complete mental breakdown because I stopped going to a class because I would see him and I was failing. Mimi, a counselor at my school who helped me withdraw from that class and acted as my warrior. Miranda, who went with me to my first take back the night as I read my story out loud for the first time. Even through our friendship, even though our friendship ended my senior year due to some shady shit, I will forever be thankful for her support in those two years and the time she took to be there for me. Anna, my friend of nearly a decade who continuously supports not only my anger but my healing and whose love I can always fall back on. Cece, who helps me find myself again and find the beauty in the world that has treated me so poorly. Gabby, who helps teach me the importance of self-care and mental health and pushes me to be a better person. Jasmine, who supervised me during an internship but was really a friend and gave me room to fail and fall apart. Emily, who for the last year has become one of my biggest supporters, even though we've never hung out. Our paths crossed during college, and we followed each other, but in the last year, she has supported me through my depression, sadness, anger, and advocated for me. There's so many more I can list, but this has already gotten much longer than I intended. I hope you know that you do more than a podcast. You do more than just talk and rage at the patriarchy. You allow others to be angry, too. You let us embrace our anger despite being raised to be polite and silent. I am free to be angry. That is my right. It is freeing to know that I am not the only one who is angry. You will not be, we will not be silent anymore. We can't be silent anymore. I wanted to let you know how much you mean to me, not only as one of my favorite podcasts, but as advocates, because that is what you are. You are advocating for change, and for every survivor, every time you talk into that mic or tweet or post on Instagram, you are showing us that we are not alone, that we can be angry, and that we are seen. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. That was a beautiful email, and we so appreciate that you are willing to open up to us, and I really feel like it was kind of serendipitous and fortuitous that we received this email today on the yeah. day that we recorded this episode because because that's it. Yeah, you know, it just says it. It says everything right there that I've been thinking and that I've been feeling and that I've wanted to say. And um, it's just, you guys, this is not this is not an easy thing for us to talk about as women and for us to bring up and continue to have conversations about, it would be much easier for me to pretend that it's not happening. But the fact that we have such strong, powerful listeners and women around us who are sharing their stories and are being vulnerable is the reason that this is making a difference. The fact that you are applauding us for speaking into a microphone and talking to you all, to me, seems insignificant to the fact that there are people out there who are making what we do matter. And it's not about what we say. It's about the people who are influencing us to want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I so admire her, our listener, uh, Christina, for taking her pain and turning it into something 
beautiful because yeah. I think that, you know, the name of our podcast is Your Angry Neighborhood Feminists. And I think people have such a misconception of what anger is and what it's yeah. meant to do. And for me, anger is meant to motivate you. It's meant to push you and it's meant to it's it's meant to push you into action, you yeah. know, and and that's what happened for her. And yeah. I hope that that's what happens for everyone, I hope that you you take this and you go into midterms. I hope you register to vote. Yeah. I hope it pushes you into action. Yeah. Because we may not have a lot of control and we might lose a lot of our control in a lot of other places of our lives. But in those places where we still have control, let's do everything we can to exercise that. I agree. You know, so... Um, Again, thank you so much for Seriously, your email. It meant Christina, so much to us. It and was the most beautiful thing to wake up to. Yeah, thank you. It was great. Um, I have one other thing to share. Um, we had another listener send us something. Let me find it. So we had a listener send us a direct message on Instagram. And she says, hey, girls, I just discovered the podcast a couple weeks ago and love it. Thanks for the amazing work. I'm from Brazil, and tomorrow we're having a huge women's march in protest against a terrible candidate running in this year's presidential election. This was sent to me almost a week ago, so I deeply apologize that we weren't able to promote it before it happened. But I still think that it's important for our listeners to know about. The march is happening simultaneously in many cities in Brazil. The candidate's name is Jar Bolsonaro. I'm probably saying that wrong, and I'm really, I really apologize. He's super homophobic, racist, and sexist. And then she asked us to speak about it on this segment. Um, I think that we need to post the links that she sent us as well. And there's a hashtag not him going around that I think is important to look into. Um, okay. And I would definitely do more research on that to kind of see if, um, we can get a little bit more insight on the outcome. Yeah. Um, please listener, write us back. Keep us updated. Yes. I'm so sorry if you feel like you haven't been seen or heard. We did read it. Um, and we definitely care about the outcome and want to know what's happening with all of this. So please, um, you know, keep keep contacting us. I will. I don't even think I've responded to her yet. I will respond to you, and we will continue that conversation most definitely. Yes, so, totally. Our totally. house with Brazil too. Yeah, thank you. And um, it feels really weird at the end of this episode. That's been really kind of like heavy and difficult, and you know, to promote something happy. <sighs> yeah, but uh, we are having our pop up. <laughs> Um, we are recording this on the 3rd. I think it will come out on the 4th. So in nine days from the time you're hearing this, uh, we will have our pop-up. So just keep an eye on that on our social media. Uh, it will be at uh, As We Del as we Dwell in downtown L.A. It is with uh, The Swallows Flight, and we will be doing it in collaboration with Two Girl Book Party. Yes. Um, which we're very, very excited about. Mm-hmm. But um, before we kind of give our, our closing... Spiel. Spiel, you know, where to find us and all that. I just wanted to say really quickly, we know how hard this week has been and how re-traumatizing it has been because it has been re-traumatizing for us. Um, so take care of yourselves. Yeah. Take breaks if you need to take breaks. Stay engaged because it's important to be engaged and it's important to know it's important to have that anger so you can yeah. take that with you. But know, and, know your own personal limits. But too. know your limits and take care of yourselves and know that you're not alone. Like, yeah. we've been through it. A lot of our listeners have been through it. And, um, you know, we're here for you. So yeah. I just wanted we, to say that. So We stand in, in 100% solidarity. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. To create a community. So, um, again, feels weird to be promoting ourselves now at this point. But um, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. If you have any stories or things that you'd like to share with us like Christina did, you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Yamf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. 
Um, you can find us on Facebook. We do have an event made on Facebook for our pop-up event. If any times change or anything like that, uh, make sure that you're staying on top of it so you know all of those things. We will try to uh, reach out to you all as well so you know everything that's going on. Please continue to rate and review. Um, if you're enjoying the things that you're hearing and you want other people in your life to be a part of it, tell them um, leaving us a review on iTunes really does make a really big difference to us and we so very much appreciate it. And thank it. you to those who have reviewed. I know, we, we got you a couple, listened. We got a couple new reviews and thank you so much. Like We, we love that yeah. and um, we will be featuring those on our Reviews Day Tuesdays. Exactly. So thank you. It, it helps us all so much. We we cannot do what we do without you guys, and it means the absolute world. And this week, I think, has given me another insurgence of um, pride in the things that we do, in um, being thankful that I, I have a voice and a way to speak to people in the masses. And, um, yeah, it just means a lot to me, you guys. I can't, I can't express... I can't express that enough. So thank you for all of your love and for all of your support. And I guess with that being said, we encourage you to to rage on. Bye. Nowadays, trends and news cycles change faster than we can blink. But there are some things that withstand the test of time. And if you're looking for a connection to something timeless, and maybe also a glimpse of life at a slower pace, I believe everyone can relate to the very human experiences explored in Jane Austen's novels. And that's where I come in. My name is Alison Larkin. I'm a writer, comedian, and narrator and host of The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin. I spent a lot of my childhood in the part of England where Jane Austen lived and wrote, and now that I live in the States, nothing gives me a sense of homecoming quite like narrating her books. On this show, you'll listen to award-winning narration. I'll give myself a pat on the back for that as well as conversations with actors, writers and other fascinating people who all share a passionate love for Jane Austen. So please, join me as we embark on a wonderful journey through Jane Austen's work. Be sure to listen and subscribe to The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin wherever you get your podcasts.